Welcome back to another episode of the Christchurch Real Estate Podcast. We're back again here with Angela Webb, one of the friends of the show. Angela, you are a investment specialist here at Bailey's. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, I just want to have a chat around what you're seeing um, in the current market with sale and purchase agreements, what kind of clauses people are using, how are they using them well, how are they using them badly, what works, what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, for this one, I think we'll stick to purchases. Yes. Um, I think there's a whole other pod we could do around clauses that the vendor could put in, but another day. Mm-hmm. So back in my day, back in my day, back in the day, uh, I'll edit some of the stuff out. Back in the day, you could bang a finance clause in, mm-hmm. and that would essentially get you out of most things. Mm-hmm. Can't do that anymore. No. What are you seeing um, that's working well with probably more the investment market we are doing, so potentially more experienced buyers? Yeah. What are you seeing that they're using for contracts at the moment? Yeah, so... There was a lot of use of due diligence clauses 10 years ago. Um, yep. And we are getting more pushback on those now. People don't like them. Solicitors don't like them. And pretty much a due diligence clause can be any working days and it's pretty much um, cancel the contract if you don't like the colour of the curtains. Yeah. You, know, you can so change your mind. A get out of jail free card for the Very much so. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep. they put in due diligence clause, have 10 working days on that. And at the end, they just go, we just don't feel good about this property. They can cancel the agreement. Sure. Which you can see why it frustrates people. Yeah. So moving away from due diligence, people are now going for the standard list of clauses. Um, And so you've got your finance. You've got your title is included in the main bulk of the contract now. LIM reports. um, In Christchurch, we have EQC clauses, um, earthquake clauses, post-quake, to make sure that the claim that was made on the property 10 years ago is getting transferred through. Sure. Um, Deed of assignment clauses. Um, And some people still use a solicitor's approval clause, but people... Um, the understanding of solicitor's approval clause is, is a bit warped in the market. So a solicitor's approval clause only gives you the opportunity for your solicitor to approve the um, terms and conditions in the contract. So that could mean the solicitor looks over the um, contract and says, I want to insert um, a clause for the deposit yeah. or the settlement. So it gives them the right to approve what you've signed. Sure. And that's generally done on three working days. Okay. Yeah, and then they have to either agree or disagree um, with the conditions and to make changes as they see fit. Yeah. So, but, oh gosh, when I started real estate 17 years ago, uh, there was a lot more unconditional contracts, you'd yes. see, because there was less complications around insurance, around earthquake damage. Yep. So you'd get unconditional agreements and, um, you know, they were just no clauses, confirmation, pay the deposit, work to settlement. Yeah. So I'll just break that down. So... An unconditional agreement is I write up, I'm going to buy your property for $500,000, i will give you $50,000 deposit, and we'll settle it in two weeks. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. I can't back out of it. And a conditional agreement is I'll buy your property 
but I've got a few clauses I want to satisfy before You want to I... do your homework. Yeah, yeah. So just for, for people who don't understand the difference yeah. of, of the two of them. So an auction is essentially an unconditional yeah. contract yeah. done via an auction process. Yeah. But yes. yeah, for what we're talking about, it's when you're riding up a sale and purchase agreement and the agent says, what conditions would you like, if any? Yeah. 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 And also in Christchurch, due to the earthquakes, we generally see a lot of insurance clauses. Mm-hmm. So that makes sure the purchaser can go and obtain insurance because insurance companies like to lessen their risk and yep. they're not taking on so um, every house in the street like they used to. Sure. They pick and choose a bit more. So, yeah. Um, of course, if you want a strong offer, the least amount of clauses, the better, the more attractive it is to the vendor. Yes. Um, and probably the other change at the market, not so much investment, is we're seeing a lot more subject to sales. So the purchaser has to, uh, the purchaser has to sell their property before they can buy the one that they're trying yeah. to buy. So all the documentation's signed, dated, yep, and then it sits for say six weeks while the purchaser tries to sell their home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no one likes them. It's a yes. last resort to take those offers. Yep. So you're better off to have already sold, have a confirmed contract in your house, and then go shopping. Okay. But for investors, that's not normally the case, yep. and they're just putting in an offer. So the rule of thumb is the least clauses, the better deal you're going to get in terms of the um, price you're going to have to pay. Yep. So do your homework, do it fast before you write up an offer, and it can be more attractive and you get a better deal. Sure. So on the m- most current edition of the sale and purchase agreement, that you guys use. Yeah. I'll put a picture up here uh, for those on YouTube. Um, On the front of it, I know there's a number of boxes you can tick with conditions. Sure. So there's finance, there's a limb, there's overseas investment Mm -hmm. type stuff. If people tick that, then they don't need to put an actual written clause, let's say finance, for example. So that covers them for the standard 10 working days. Yeah, so if you, um, on the finance clause on the front, you tick it and then you actually put in what date you either want to confirm finance or how many working days you want sure. on the front page. So that covers you. So therefore, you don't need a finance clause on the back. Okay. And are you finding, uh, so currently in Christchurch, or New Zealand, it's really moved more into a buyer's market Yeah. than it was over yeah. the last few years. Yeah. Are you finding vendors are more open to... Uh, more conditions in the offers than the... I know when the market was hot, it essentially had to be unconditional to, yep. to get your foot in. Yep. Nowadays, there's a bit more uh, scope to put conditions in. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we always say to vendors that um, you know, unconditional is worth a lot. Yeah. Um, because you can get a high offer with 10 working days conditions and it will fall over and you end up with nothing. It also means you've wasted two weeks of your marketing campaign dealing with waiting for that buyer to decide whether they want to buy your property or not, Um, which is why you see a high rate going to auction because if the vendor can get an unconditional sale on the day in the auction room, Mm -hmm. then they're in a far stronger position to move forward with their life and their purchase. And that's what everyone wants to do. Vendors want to move forward to their next house or their next adventure or their next city. Um, So yeah, having unconditional is, there's there's actually a lot of value. People will take lower offers or sell for a less amount if it's unconditional. Yep. We, I actually had that... uh, experience not too long ago where there was an old rundown house I'd put an offer in 
I hadn't done much due diligence before, but I was going to renovate and subdivide and do a few things. I just put a standard due diligence clause in, mm. uh, 15 working days. The agent really pushed back, said, I don't think this is a good idea. Mm. <clears throat> I wasn't willing to change because that's just what I was going to put in. It actually sold for quite a bit less than what my offer was for yep. to someone who had a... It wasn't unconditional, but it had a really clean, yeah. just a simple finance And are we clause. talking 10, 20, 50,000 uh, I don't know the exact figure, but it's it's between 10 and 20,000. Yeah. So that's yep. what that was worth to the, the vendors, yep. to have it... Yeah. And that's right. Fine. I mean, that's, that's, you know, vendors... You're better off to take ten or twenty less and have security that the deal is going to go through, yep. because um, in a rising rising market, it doesn't matter if you're still on the market too long. But if the market's slowly falling, you could end up with a you know that you're in two weeks' time you have to accept an offer that's fifty thousand less. Yep. Because the one you signed what seemed really good but fell over, and now we've lost the buyers who are willing to pay. Yeah. You know, the money that they should have taken. So it's a real balance between clauses and um, price. Yeah, because I do hear stories currently from the market where people turn down a, an okay offer to then only take a lesser offer two months later when they've realised that their first offer was actually really good and they yeah. probably yeah. should have listened to their realtor agent and taken it. Oh, it's really hard. I mean, it's it's hard when you're selling the property. It's a stressful situation. So, yeah, you can't beat yourself up for making a you know yeah. potentially a wrong decision, but um. I think people forget that real estate agents are also just trying to get the job done for you as well. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. But definitely it's a balance between, you know, taking good money and with less conditions. Yep. So as a as a um, real estate agent, are you do you have a list of conditions that you would help people write up offers? Or was that definitely. something you should get advice from your lawyer form or that's something you can help with? So um, my whole team is taught that we always put every standard condition in the contracts when we go and write an offer up. Yep. And then as we work through them, we, we just cross out the ones that the buyer doesn't want. Sure. Because legally under the REA, we have to offer all those conditions to every buyer. Yep. So the way to safeguard us is that we put in a finance, we put a solicitor, we put an insurance clause. If they don't want them, that's fine. We put a cross through it. They initial that they didn't want them. Okay. And that works really well. Yep. And then you can go through it with the vendor and say, look, they didn't want their finance because they've got that sorted. They didn't need insurance because they've already run, got that sorted. Yep. So, yeah. And I think possibly knowing the type of properties that you sell, you'll be dealing with possibly some more experienced hmm. buyers and sellers versus if you're in the first home buyers market We do solely. Because a lot of I've got a lot of loyal clients after so many years, so we do end up with properties that are first home buyers properties. Um, so if we can move the tenant on and then sell them in the first home buyer market, it's really good. Okay. But yep. um, I deal with experienced investors, but I also love dealing with new investors. So sure. many investors have come to me and they've brought one, two, four properties and built their portfolios up, and um, it's been great. I love watching it. I love being involved in it. Great. Mm. Oh, well, we might wrap that up there. Yeah. That's been really good to have a chat. Um, if people want to find out more about you uh, and get in touch, if they want to talk about investment uh, options in Christchurch, either to sell or to buy, um, I'll list your details below in the show yeah. notes. No problem. So they can find you at Bailey's 
and um, yeah, yep. as I say, all Angela your details. Angela Webb Bailey's. Angela Webb Bailey's. Perfect. Yep. Hey, Simple. Thanks heaps. We'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Angela. Cheers.